talk to anybody who was born in a foreign country or who have lived for a period of time in a country other than the United States and listen to them. And in my experience, without exception, they are frightened more at the wokeness that America is now breeding than those of us who were born and raised here. They see what is happening here in their judgment is a tragic mirror what they came out from. Anywhere in the globe. This is a member of our church and we could have literally hundreds of them who would echo the same thing who gave a witness to what I've just said. Listen. I lived in Houston for 22 years. I uh, fled from China, but I cannot show my face because I'm concerned of my family's safety back in China. In that region, you do not have any freedom. You do not have any choice. You don't have a free speech. You don't have a free religions. And we have churches, but those are church leaders, they are communist party member. If you have a Bible study, which is unauthorized, they consider that as a crime. You can be arrested. And I came to the United States just for not only freedom and all for the American dream and a fair chance. And uh, this country has become more and more like communist. I can see what's happening here now and which this country is getting divided. That's not what I wanted to see this country become. As Americans, I think we should wake up now. We should see the big picture of what is coming. We cannot be influenced by the social media and by the media, what they told us. And we have to use our critical thinking to see the truth, to dig a little bit, to spend a little more time and focus on what's going on. As Christians, we also called to stand up, to face the evil, to fight with the devil, and to not be silenced in front of evil. And that's what, what we're supposed to do as a Christian now. From our church membership alone, we could have hundreds, hundreds from countries around the world give virtually the same witness that she's offered to us. When you think of freedom, the first thing I think of is the Statue of Liberty. There in New York Harbor, what a wonderful thing. You have there in the right hand of the, the lady, the light in the left hand, you have a tablet which says July the 4th, 1776, 
that moment of independence. And then you have the plaque that says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Most of us just have accepted that we are a free people. And the woke community is challenging every aspect of the freedom that we now enjoy. Make no mistake about it. You can't see, but underneath there, there are chains and there are shackles. And the image there is that when you are in a land in which you are chained or shackled, there's no freedom. So I want us simply to look at freedom and remember something, the heavy price that was paid for freedom. If you want to have an exercise in history, just take a long look and take America out of the equation of the world and see what you would perceive what happened in the world today at a heavy price. We have a 155 cemeteries in which our heroes are buried in 42 states in the United States. We have other sections of most of our cemeteries that are given to veterans who've been brought back home who, who paid the ultimate price. Over 4 million people. There's another at least 130,000 that are buried in some 17 different countries all around the world and their remains were not even brought back to the United States. The cost of freedom. You remember when I quoted Martin Luther King, I'll paraphrase him, and what he said at Southern Methodist University about a year and a half before he was executed, murdered, became a martyr. He said that as long as there is division in the racial equations, black feeling they're superior to white, white feeling they're superior to black, prejudice, bigotry on either side, Dr. King said, a nation will never be free. And we know that for well over a hundred years, a lot of our ancestors came here looking for freedom from the oppression they found in different countries around the world. But some of our ancestors came here in shackles and that was the evil demonic slave trade that this nation engaged in for a long, long period of time. How did we in the church during all those years support slavery and legitimize it as, quote, Christians, end quote, Christians. Maybe you're not familiar what was used from pulpits and seminaries taught as a biblical truth was the curse of Ham. Genesis 9, the Bible was taken 
and said there was a curse on Ham because of the color of his skin and the sin that he committed. And by the way, there is no evidence in Hebrew linguistic studies or in Semitic studies that color had anything to do with Ham, but Ham was guilty of a sin against his father Noah, and therefore the curse was not placed on Ham, it was placed on Canaan, one of his sons, and the curse was borne out because look at the demonic Canaanites that followed, opposing everything God's people for generations. We see that curse, but we see the illegitimacy of it in saying from pulpits all across America, man, all of these who have a heavy pigment on their skin, they are cursed by God, and they're tended to be servants and slaves for the rest of their life. That was taught to legitimize the devil's work in slavery in America. And they taught it as biblical truth. Oh yeah, this is what the Bible says. And so there we have crazy theology. Crazy theology. It would be like, I would say, well, you know, in the Bible it says, you know, uh, Judas went out and hanged himself. That's in the Bible. Another place in the Bible it says, go thou and do likewise. Oh, okay. So you get biblical truth and Judas went out and hanged himself. Go thou and do likewise. Therefore, we're all to hang ourselves and commit suicide just like Judas. Is that what the Bible teaches? That's as crazy, equally crazy as the so-called curse of Ham that godless people who were misinterpreted and didn't understand, they were guilty of crazy theology. Now let's flip that over. Following Dr. King's admonition, in City College in New York, for more than two decades, a professor named Leonard Jeffries taught as he began the Black Studies program that there were only two types of people in the world. There were the ice people and the sun people. And the ice people were born in caves and they had light colored skins. And the sun people were born by the river and they had dark colored skins. Therefore, he said, the ice people did not have a soul. They were godless people. And the only thing they knew how to do was to oppress, communist vocabulary, to oppress all other people who were sun people. And then, we go on the other side and now we have sun people, said this scholarly, quote, professors. Sun people do are, have a soul, they're moral, they're intelligent, and because of the pigment of their skin, they're way ahead of everybody else on the earth and they are superior, certainly to those inferior ice people. That was taught as some kind of advanced scholarship in study, not only in that college in New York, it went through black studies in colleges and universities all across America. That is crazy anthropology, just like the other side is crazy theology.
As long as this is going on, if Dr. King were standing here, he would say, you can't have a nation that is free. But thank God, 99.9% of us have come through that dark demonic valley. Have we not? So we look at the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. Boy, it talks about freedom. You've got four big words about freedom. And all four of those freedoms are in jeopardy today because of the woke agenda that is being forced upon all of us from every angle of our society. Now, it's interesting, during the period we were dealing with the virus, it's interesting that the one freedom that we lost first in that draconian moments of our history was the one that I would have said is the you know, least important. What would that be? It'd be the fourth freedom, the, the, the freedom to voluntarily get together as groups, as family, right? That's, that's the fourth freedom. We have the freedom to do that. That freedom was taken away. And in the process, when that was taken away, the right of rightful assembly, all the other freedoms, the other three were trained. We had freedom of religion, but when that was taken away, we had freedom from religion. And then we had freedom from religion, and then we had freedom of speech, now we had freedom from speech. And that last one was taken away, and now we had freedom of the press, we had freedom from the press. Amazing, isn't it? How quickly those, we would say, indelible freedoms are confused and they're lost. The freedom of religion. How many countries in the world you have genuine freedom of religion? Would you like to count them on one hand, maybe, if you can find them, where people can express their religious faith? in freedom and in exercise of that, anytime, anywhere, that is freedom. That is a rare thing on the planet, ladies and gentlemen. You say, well, let me give you an illustration. Well, Israel has freedom of religion. No, they do not. We can go there in our own little groups and express religion, but you go there and try to have a, a crusade in any facility in Israel. When you call people to Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you'll be put in jail, and you would think Israel, of all places, would have freedom of religion, let alone China, Russia, et cetera, et cetera, let alone the, the Muslim countries, right? Freedom of religion is a precious thing. And I can tell you in most countries, if what I have been trying to say in a biblical context for the last four or five weeks, it would have been called hate speech, hate speech, and I would be arrested or put down and maybe all of us would be in jeopardy and then we'd discover who stands up, who doesn't, wouldn't we? In about a skinny New York minute. Religion, freedom of speech, 
canceled. You say, well, what about in Australia? You know, that's sort of a Western country, you know. In Australia, this past week in Australia, a man was elected to be what we would call the commissioner of Australian football. And he was elected, and the first day he was in office, he was fired because they discovered he was a member of a church who did not believe in killing a baby in the mother's womb, and they fired him. He served for one day like he'd be the commissioner in our place of the NFL because he was an evangelical Christian. Bang, you're thrown out. You're canceled. Huh. Freedom of press. That's a joke, isn't it? That's a joke. You say, well, the press can say what they want to say. You know, I, I had sons, and we'd give them more and more leeway as they matured and growed up. We'd give them greater, greater freedom. Did we not all parents do that? But if they went back against that freedom, we would have to restrain them. Ed, the first time he went out in the car on a date, his driver's license said he had to be home by sundown. It got dark, and Daddy took off looking for him. By the way, there's no more frightening moments in the life of a parent when your kids go off to the car for the first time. Right, ladies and gentlemen? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was coming in the road as I was going out, thank goodness. You think I restricted his freedom from that time on? I sure did. You see, we have now those in the press, they report on the basis of their ideology and not on the basis of what may factual. And once again, I tell you that Biden, when he was running for president, he expressed beautifully the postmodern position. He, I don't think he knew it. Remember when he said, don't let the facts get in the way of the truth? That's the freedom of the press today. That's postmodernism. Therefore, they have lost that freedom as far as we're concerned. Anybody who's modifiedly literate. So we see our freedoms are in jeopardy today in a thing of being misinterpreted. Look at the truckers' strike in Canada, remember? They were protesting. They didn't want to get the vaccine. They, they were protesting all the draconian methods that the prime minister was using. And so they drove their trucks. And how did the Canadian press report it? And a lot of our press. All through the protests, you see American flags, you see Canadian flags, but somebody looking for a moment went out there and unfurled a Nazi flag. And now all the press said, there's a bunch of Nazis. If we decided to march on a moral issue as a church, do you not think that all kind of lunatics would join us trying to put us to one side and reinterpret our purpose of, of a peaceful, prayerful protest? You can be sure they would. So we lose these four freedoms plus in a woke, dominated community. Freedom. And then what about the word liberty? Freedom and liberty are usually employed as synonyms, are they not? They're synonyms, but they really are not. Freedom is the freedom to, you know, throw that away, jump down, hit somebody. I mean, they were, that's, we're a free moral agent. We make decisions. We do. That's freedom. But liberty is sort of inside of freedom. 
Liberty put guard, puts guardrails on freedom. So you have rules and laws and civility and culture. And so it puts that in there on freedom. That is what liberty is. Liberty and justice for not just special people, but for all a nation under God. But let me tell you what's happened recently. This is a tragedy. I have to think about it to understand it. But we had an illicit marriage that is becoming devastating to us at this moment in history. Science got married to politics. Science got married to politics. The temptation to do that has already occurred in a strategic time in our history. I'm not an epidemiologist, of course. I'm not a, a climatologist, obviously. And I can't speak ex cathedra in these fields. But I am sort of amateur historian. And, and let's go back to 1970. And the big issue there was global cooling. Does anybody remember that? Look at it. You have global, global cooling. May the 26th, 1990, New York Times, oh my goodness, the, the magazine, scientists urge rapid attention on global, not warming, global cooling. Look over here. July the 11th, colder winters hail down of a new age. July the 11th, 1970, Washington Post, whoa. 1972, November. Time Magazine headline, Science, Another Ice Age. You know what Ice Age was? It's when the ice comes down from the polar and just covers all the world. Oh, science. April 28, 1975, Newsweek reported, metallurgists disagree about the cause and extents of the cooling trend and specific impact on local weather conditions, but are unanimous, science, in the view that if the climate change is as profound as some of the pessimists fear, the resulting famine can be catastrophic. How many of you are old enough to remember that? Man, we're gonna have a new ice age. Now they tried to sell this to the political world and some reason they didn't buy it. This is before the marriage took place. And in the meantime, 1980s, the science, Stanford professor of biology, Dr. Paul Ehrlich, published the population bomb, and he said because of the ice age that was coming, we couldn't grow enough crops to feed the population, and the population was growing too fast, and that's when China curtailed the size of a family, and that's when tremendous efforts was given, particularly the continent of Africa, that they would not breed so profusely. And you got a lot of the real legitimizers, the big shots of all the world. Man, they had a secret gathering. Oh, yeah. Of the multi-billionaires. You know their names. They're still in the, in the press today. And they said somehow we've got to cut down the population because of this distinguished, this distinguished professor said we're not going to be able to grow crops because the, the, the worlds are getting so cold there, and therefore we better put in something like, oh, Planned Parenthood, 
and get legitimized uh, the killing of babies in their mother's womb so the population stay down, particularly put them close to minority communities. Hello, ice age is coming. Look at the scientists, the climatologists who saw this and shouted this out. Man, this is irrefutable history. But something happened. Oh, now we're over here. The catastrophic cooling morphed into catastrophic warming. Hold on to the word catastrophic. You see, it has to be catastrophic in order to scare the bejeebas out of everybody. And so we can get more control of we the people. See, a lot of people forget we got four branches of government, the legislative, the judicial, the executive, but the fourth branch is stronger than all three. That's we the people, ladies and gentlemen. That's we the people. Let me show you something. Now we have catastrophic, catastrophic cooling, catastrophic warming. May the 26th, 1990, New York Times. Oh, the New York Times again. I wonder if they repented. No, no. Scientists urge rapid action on global warning. Ooh. January 19th, 2010, NBC News. Oh, what an authority that is. Reported 20 to 209, warmest decade in history. And here's something really profound. <laughs> on January the 22nd, 2019, USA Today headline, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address the climate change. But I didn't put it up because Prince Charles said this year would mark the end of the world right now, but he missed it. I don't know why someone of that scholarship would make such a stupid statement. <laughs> now, I said I'm not an authority, but I want to read what a very fine scholarly man has written, and I've paraphrased it a little bit, uh, so it's not exclusively his, part of it is mine. Michael Knowles, in his book entitled Speechless, he writes this, and I inserted some things in the spirit of what he was saying. Perhaps warmer weather threatens civilization. Perhaps it does not. Maybe the coronavirus poses an unprecedented threat on human life. Maybe not. In any event, doctor dictators, i.e. the Napoleonic Dr. Fauci, expects technocrats have no right to demand that we acquiesce to their every whim. A free people may welcome the advice of specialists, and we do, but we must also consider other non-scientific factors, remember the marriage between science and politics, including the effects of a given policy on the economy, national security, popular culture, civil rights, social relations, welfare of our children, mental health, and other facets in our republic. 
If climate change really would destroy the world by 2031, as AOC claims, science remains the servant of our nation and of the world, and a free republic, the people must set the nation's course. A man far more scholarly than most of us, certainly myself, gave us a very wise moment. You see, we can lose our liberty. You got it? Say, I'm not cold or hot for the earth. I don't know all about the viruses. And we listen, but we don't submit to draconian efforts when those we've elected to be our servants becomes our Lord and our masters. And that is always derogatory and deadly to a free people when politicians marry science. Now, why would the politicians be a part of this marriage? AOC says it takes $63 trillion, trillion as in a T, trillion dollars to take care of this global warning problem. And all kind of funds have been passed, billions and billions already. We have no idea where they're going. There's no breakdown of any tide it's been. It's already been passed and thrown out in the, na in the name of saving our world in this moment of, there it is, catastrophe. Do you follow the logic? I'm not speaking as this or that or the other. Understand that. But we have to remember that we are a republic. We're not a democracy. As a democracy, we vote, we elect people to represent us. And those representatives, they need to represent us in the political realm and basically stay out of the scientific realm. They are doing it for other reasons, I'm afraid, other than the health and welfare of the United States of America. We are a blessed nation. Is that true? Well, how did God bless us? Why did God bless us? Have we moved away from that blessing? Is it gone? Is that blessing coming back? Hmm. What does it mean that God blessed America? You know what some people think? Do you remember the wide world of Disney that was on? In the early days when color television was coming into vogue, uh, they, they would have that show, Wide World of Disney, or what was the World of Color. And, and oh, the show, TV show would open, and you'd have an outline of, of the Disney Palace. Remember, just in kind of dark there on the television set. And then Tinkerbell would come and put some pixie dust on the palace and bang, it would come to light with music and sound and wow. A lot of people think that's how America has been blessed by God. God has come and looked at America and said, here's some pixie dust. I, I'm blessing all of you as a nation. God doesn't work like that, folks. Let me tell you why I think and why we have been blessed. I think that blessing is available to every nation. Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, 
Well, what about Israel? I think Israel in that day and age responded to God in setting up a a biblical basis that he gave to them through the Ten Commandments and through their salvation history, which is the coming of Jesus Christ. I think that's why God uniquely blessed and used Israel because Israel at that time responded to his revelation best that they could with the Ten Commandments and the covenants that were made. That's why I think God blessed Israel. He didn't just decide to put pitching dust on them. Let me see how that worked. Look at Jeremiah, chapter number 29, God speaking. He says, for I know your plans, United States, any nation, that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me, says the Lord, and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Did you get that? That that is such a clear teaching all the way through God's word. God gives provision, and then we have to respond to that provision. We have to step up and apprehend that provision, just like salvation. God has provided for us to know God in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus died on the cross, God, man, for your sin and my sin, and there is a provision for us to receive him and know him and have life now and forever, and also we have to accept We have to respond that. This is the way with blessings. He's provided a provision. And America was founded on this basic doctrines with Judeo-Christian provisions that's found in all of our foundational documents. Are they not? The Bible is the source of those. And because of that, he has blessed us as a people. But when we withdraw from those blessings, and those foundations that he's given us, what has he given us in foundations? We've already looked at that. He gave us family, he gave us government, he gave us the church. And when we as Christians exercise freedom within those three basic fundamental God-given foundations, then God will bless us and continue to bless us. But when those foundations are broken and cracked and confused and destroyed as the woke people will have them to be, the liberty and the justice, a nation unto God, he withdraws his hand from us just like he did in history to Israel all the way through those decades. We are blessed to be a blessing and we are blessed because God has given us a provision, an opportunity, an openness, and we have to accept and accommodate ourselves and receive those provisions which are fundamental to us on the basic doctrines of the United States of America. Do you get what a blessing is? Do we understand what a blessing is? On this basis, on this basis, God can bless America. There was a family that lived in Siberia 
And the Russians came and their anti-Semitism, they burned the house of this Jewish family down and the father escaped with the children, made his all his way to America, lived on the east side of New York. When this young boy came over as a baby, was nine years old, his name was Israel Beeline. His father died. He was an orphan at nine. Somehow he made it by selling papers on the streets of New York. And he would go in bars and he saw those old beat up pianos and he began to play on those pianos. He had a natural gift for music. And everybody liked him. Man, he would play and they would give donations and finally he began to write music that sort of fit the mood of the day. He was a people's musician, a, a people's com composer, and, and they would sing that song. They would look forward to, to Israel, Izzy coming in and playing those songs. And finally he went on and he began to write sheet music. And he went to Germany in 1938, saw what was happening with Hitler there. He had served in the military previously himself. And he came back home to America and he was disturbed as he saw a demonic element arising in Europe and he, he being thrown out with his family, Russia, when he was just a child. And he began to write more music and he wrote a piece of sheet music and they got his name confused. Instead of Israel Beeline, they put on it, Irvin Bolin, Irvin who? Berlin and he didn't correct it. And Irvin Berlin, what a guy. In 1938, Kate Smith was, had a radio show, she was a beautiful, powerful voice, and she asked this man, Irvin Berlin, what did he write? White Christmas, no business like show business. Got my love, I mean, on and on it goes. But she asked him to write him a song write her a song, and he did, and he went and got an old trunk that he brought back when he was in the war, and he had written in that trunk a love letter to America because he so appreciated America because he came out of Russia. He had suffered, his family had been killed, and he, this was a love letter he wrote while he was in the army, and he said he never did use it or read it. It just stayed in that old trunk because he said it was so mushy. But when Kate Smith asked him to write something for her radio show, he took that old, old mushy thing there and he put music to the words. And that's where we get that prayer put to music. God bless America. Would you say it after me? God bless America. Land that, I love. land that I love, stand beside her, stand beside her. And, guide her. and guide her through the night, through the night. with the light, the light. From, above. from above, from the mountains, from the mountains. To, the to the prairie, to the ocean, white with foam. God bless America, our home, sweet home.